0: listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. Let's get into the work today we're going to be talking about worship again as we finish our series for this month and i'm going to talk today about how important it is and about how worship is actually an expression of gratitude if actually proper worship is gratitude it's not anything else it's not worship is not something that we do to accomplish a favor but worship is something that is a response to something we've already received we don't worship for favor we worship because of favor and that's a hard thing for us to think about and understand. It's actually something that people constantly have stumbled over through all of human history because I think there's something kind of wrong with the way that we think. And we talked a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, I talked about how our brains don't work right when we don't worship right. Well, well, I want to just talk about a process that happens in us. We're going to talk first about this guy, Johann Tetzel. Um, if you don't know the name Johann Tetzel, you haven't studied uh, the Protestant Reformation enough, uh, which is not your fault. It's your teacher's. Uh, these uh, Johann Tetzel was a uh, bishop. Um, he was a person who lived uh, contemporary to Martin Luther, and he was uh, an area bishop. So he was somebody of great authority in the Catholic Church through what we would call Germany today, and uh, he was going around uh, spruiking uh, favors, uh, spiritual favors. Now, what was happening was the Pope um, was wanting to build this. It was uh, before this was built. This is St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And uh, the, the Catholic Church was looking for, you know, a new headquarters, a new uh, big fancy place, a new thing to kind of put on the advertising. I don't know, build the brand, something. Uh, Well, I don't know, monuments are kind of brand building, aren't they? So uh, the Pope wanted that, and that was going to cost a ton of cash. How were they going to get the cash? Well, he sent all of his bishops and ministers and people all around the Catholic nations raising money with this particular offer, and that is that the Pope would say special prayers for your deceased family who were in purgatory to shorten their time of punishment. Now, it might not be the way that you think about hell these days. But at that time, Catholic theology held that there was a time after people died that if they weren't completely perfect, that there was a sort of a cleansing period where they would go spend this place called purgatory. And depending on how bad you were, you would have your sins burned out of you so that you were therefore cleansed and ready to go for heaven. Could take thousands of years. So if you care about mom and dad and uh, your great nan, then the Pope could get them out early by asking for favors. Uh, so the way that you get one of those prayers was, and I'm this. I'm not Catholic bashing. I love Catholic people. I love the Catholic Church. I'm just saying every we have this. We have a thinking problem, and this is how it was manifesting. So he went around Yo know, and Tetzel with this jingle. As soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. (laughs) It's catchy, isn't it? You put that on a greeting card, and you go around town sproiking it. Now, depending on how much money you had, you could buy more and more what they called indulgences, which is kind of get out of purgatory free cards. And now the problem is, not that they were doing this, it's just that everybody thought that that was okay. Like nobody was like, what? Nobody thought that, except for Martin Luther. He was like, what? Uh, Because he'd had a revelation of the grace of God, and he kind of thought that. Basically, he said this. He had a problem with this because he said, what does that say about God? And also, what does it say about the Pope? That he doesn't really care about your deceased relative burning away in purgatory. Unless you pay him to care. And Martin Luther said, and it's an obvious question, why doesn't he just pray the prayer anyway? Why does he need to get paid to pray the prayer? Why? But also, the question then is, why does God need the Pope to pray? Doesn't he also care about those people who are toasting away? Now, This, the problem isn't that that whole thing came about and then the Reformation kicked off and then pretty soon the whole of Europe was on fire with all of these conflicts and problems as governments fell apart and nations rose and everything changed. And today we are of the Protestant brand of the Christian faith because of that moment. But the moment came about because of the way people think. They think, of course, if you do something for God, he'll do something for you. That is not gratitude, and that is a problem that's built into humanity, and it might be your problem too. I know in me, it rises up constantly. It's like the feeling of, well, um, let me tell you a little story first. So what, years ago when I was in Bible college, I was also working for Vancouver Teen Challenge, So I spent my time working with stinking street kids and gang members and people who threatened my life and terrible hours, got paid $2 an hour to do it. And I was going to Bible college and giving my time to learn to serve the Lord and living in a closet and making hardly any money. And during that time is when uh, the car that I was driving was demolished. It was an accident of my own making, but let's just say God didn't care about the car and when it was destroyed, and I've told you the story before, so it doesn't, the details don't matter. It just makes me look stupid. <laughs> but after I... It was a 1976 Austin Mini Cooper. Completely restored. Even had a British flag sewn into the headliner. It was all leather interior and fancy mag wheels. I got a lot of prestige out of that car. <laughs> anyway, it was destroyed. After the... Uh, I was grateful that at the accident I didn't get hurt. But... After that, after the tow truck came and picked the car up, and after the police officer gave me a ticket for crossing the double solid, well, my steering wheel was locked. Never mind. You know, the moment when I got out of that car, I was full of gratitude, so thankful. But then every minute after that, my gratitude leaked as I got, had to pay three hundred and fifty bucks to get my car towed home, I had to pay three hundred dollars for the cop ticket as I looked at my destroyed Austin mini in the yard and then I said to my dad, "What am I going to do and he said i don 't know the neighbor 's got a Honda accord that 's not been running for years. You can see what he wants for that. I bought that for two hundred bucks, rolled it into my garage, and it needed a new head and I knew how to do that, so I pulled it apart. And the, the gratitude of, I can't believe you, Jesus, you just saved my life. You're the most amazing Savior in the entire world, to scraping the head down to put a new gasket on it and then sand it and pull the parts off on this stinking, ugly, gray, rusty Honda Accord. <laughs> I began to negotiate with the Lord. I, I serve you all of the time. Do you know how much those street kids stink? Do you know how stinky streetcart kids are when they've slept and they're wet in the rough? I'm serving you, Lord. Is this the deal that we had going? I work for you. You take care of me. And my gratitude went down because what was revealed was that I had an employee spirit. I worked for the favor of God. Now, is that what God is really like? Does he sell his favor to the highest bidder? Is he? What does that make him look like? In fact, I think there's a lot of people who, are, who have this impression. They're not Christians, but they have this impression, and they think that we are crazy for worshiping God because, what, he only does nice things for you if you live a holy life and do good things? Well, how mean is that? So why do we worship God then? And And how do we worship God if if there's this big change happening? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus talks about worship in this way. It's It's an expression of love in response to God that the commandments lead us to. So somebody asked him, hey, what's the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. Now, this commandment is obvious. I mean, why wouldn't you love God? He means he built you, made you. You're for him. Like, there's, there's no other. It's crazy to think that you wouldn't worship God and love him as the most. Because you are made for him. It's just, it's crazy. And there's also nothing more lovely than God. He's, he's the most beautiful. He's the most joyful. He's the most. If you want to see something interesting, look at God. If you want to see something cool, look at God. If you want an experience that's fulfilling, get to know God. He's amazing. Why wouldn't you love him? But no, we've got to be commanded to. And then, then command following gets really kind of, well, lousy, doesn't it? You know, where you're obeying just because you have to, not because you want to. You're being forced to because God's going to punish you if you don't get this commandment followed. And it gets a lot of drudgery, doesn't it? There's a whole lot of people who go through the religious motions of, oh, I'm going to go to that stinking church again on Sunday and sing the super stinking singing songs. And I can't even sing, and the person who stands next to me is worse like, and you just kind of, you get this whingy about it. I've got to get my tithe, 10%. Here's your stinking money, God. Otherwise, you won't bless me. Like, it's, but it, Jesus is talking about love. He's not talking about obligation. And so Jesus is, is giving us a vision of something that's better. He's saying, is there a way to live, bring love back into worship? Not, not earning, not doing. Is there a way to have devotion, obedience, generosity, holiness, simply because we want to? Nobody's holding a gun to our head. Nobody's threatening us and holding us over hell. Just because we love him. Is that possible? Well, Jesus actually thinks it is. But what do you say? Have you ever noticed how hard it is sometimes to get gratitude out of little kids? Yeah. I don't want to bring disparage my own children or my granddaughter and just say that everybody's normal. Have you ever seen sometimes like a little kid and you give them like a birthday present or they get a person present from a friend and they're like holding it and they love it and it's all they've ever wanted and they're unwrapped it and you just say to them, what do you say? What do you say? And the kid's like, mm. they know exactly what to say, but they're like, mm. how hard is it is to say thank you, right? They don't want to. It's not coming out. In fact, my, my, my granddaughter is so Uh, Like, she's so polite. She says thank you for everything. Even when she's not thankful at all. (laughs) Do you want some yogurt? No, thank you. Do you want to go play the game? No, thank you. She just says no, thank you. (laughs) you. And I'm thinking, that's not sincere thanks. (laughs) Just saying. You are saying the words. There's no gratitude in your heart. Even... uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, it's revealed that Moses is telling the people, hey, you're eventually going to get to the promised land. Everything's going to go super right for you guys. And you're going to get everything you ever dreamed of. He says, take care then, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. And there's rules and his statutes which I command you this day. Lest, when you've eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied... Then your heart's going to be lifted up, and you're going to forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You, you might be right there in that moment where, because when you really, 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 really want something that you don't have, and you finally get it, you're grateful. And then every minute after that of having it, your gratitude drops. And we here in the Western world, we've got so much, and we've stopped being grateful like Ash was talking about when he was preaching about, you know, the first time you see these great sand dunes, I think he was talking about, and you're just like, oh, that's amazing, and you love God, and then hey, you just get used to it. And then every time you drive over the sand deal, you don't even remember the miracle that it was, and you just forget. So can I say this? You might have lost your gratitude. So the Romans says that when we worship right, we start to think clearly, So the first one is about worshiping God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and by testing you can discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I'll just say this. In the atmosphere of right worship, our brains start to think clearly. We can discern what's good and right, pleasing, not to us, but to God, which ultimately is the reality of what is good and right and pleasing. So can you just remember this? If you can get your worship right, you will start to think clearly about life. So worship is a response to the mercy and generosity of God. Number two, worship clears our hearts and minds of bad theology. And number three, to reinforce the point, in case you didn't get it, worship is gratitude. Gratitude. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 9 to 11, let me read these verses because they come with a different verse that you might know, but you don't know the context of. I want you to notice in this part of the Psalm how thankful David is. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, and everybody else around me knows. O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness in the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness, will they ever preserve me? Do you notice he just keeps talking about the mercy and the goodness of God? He's just saying, God, you're fantastic. You're amazing. And I can't shut up about it. Every time I get around people, have you heard about how good God is? God's amazing. This is so great. Fantastic. Let's all praise him together. Yeah. He just will not shut up. But he's like that because he sees that God is so kind to him. Not because he's talking about himself. Notice that? He's not saying, oh, look look what I do for you. He says, I can't shut up about you. You're the one who's so good here. But he says that after he says this. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. But you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. And then I said, Behold, I have come to do, I have come in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law, it's inside me. You notice he says God does not delight in bowls and sacrifices. If you don't know, the Jewish people, David was a part of, they worship God under the commandments of Moses by bringing livestock for sacrifice. They would select the tenth of their herds as they were born. And they would also regularly bring for worship livestock animals. And what David noticed and what everybody else noticed is that the attitude of the worshiper could be, Oh boy, I get to give God my cow. Or, I've got to give God another stinking stupid cow. You know, the Linus move, bringing this cow. And then you bring it into the congregation. Who's got the cows? I got my stinking cow. Here's your stinking cow. Give the Lord his stinking cow. And the priest would go, thank you for your stinking cow because I've only been killing these cows all day and I'm sick of killing stinking cows. And so he takes him over to the guy with the, with the knife and he brings them all to the altar and he kills the cow. And he's like, great, here we are killing another stinking cow. You see, you can do all the form and the function and your heart's not in it at all. And God says, I don't delight in that. I don't need another stinking cow. I'm looking for something inside. I I have come, he says. I'm here. You wrote about this. Now, this is actually Jesus, because Jesus is the first of many who actually did it because he wanted to. He wanted to go to that cross for you. He wanted to worship God like that. He held nothing back because he loved his Father. Nobody made him. You could not stop him. Now, people say, Look at me. I'm worshiping you, God. Look at my arms are up. Look at my voice is loud. Look at me. I'm singing. I'm giving. Look at me. I'm being a good person, God. Where's the payday? I went to a church. Well, I'll just make this a completely. It was a church in Adelaide. And I was there for the purpose of a conference. And during the conference, we were told that if we gave a lot, then we would be blessed a lot. And it took quite a while for that person to say that. And they did encourage us in many forms and fashions to make sure that we gave a lot because the only thing stopping us from having a lot was whether we gave it on. So get it out and get it in that plate because that's how this is going to work. Then we were told through the whole sermon that if we worshipped like Paul and Silas in jail, that we would be set free. And if you worship hard enough, you will set yourself free. And I thought, really? What does that say about God. You don't give them... Does he think it it bothers God that people worship him to get his favor, not because of his favor? Can you tell the difference between sucking up and gratitude? Anybody? You can tell when people are just... But their heart's not in it. They're just trying to get something. Anybody with children knows... Worship is a response to mercy. Worship clears our hearts bad minds of bad theology. Worship is gratitude. In, in the book of Job, Satan comes to God. Now, the, the person of Job, Job is this noble person. He's righteous, he's holy, he's, he's loving God, doing all the right things. And, and, and so Satan has to present himself before God because, remember, Satan is just an angel and he has got no power in comparison to God's greatness and glory. And he has to present himself, and God says to him, have you looked at Job? And it's a divine setup. Job is like, he loves me. He worships me. He serves me. He's kind to the poor. He does all these great things. And Satan says to him, God, you're a bit thick. <laughs> Come on. The Lord answered, Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? He's, he's totally mafia at this point. You see, fear God for no reason you not put a hedge around him in his house and all that he has on every side you bless the work of his hands his possessions have increased in the land hey, stretch out your hand against him touch all he has and he will curse you to your face boom don't you know nothing God you don't know nothing you don't know nothing That is not how this works out there. You haven't been down on the planet. Down there, everybody's an employee, right? They're working for it. You stop paying, they stop doing. So God says, all right, let's cut off the pay cycle. See what happens. And then the whole rest of the story is about how Job got everything taken away from him, except for his less than encouraging wife. Yeah. He even got a bunch of friends sent to him. And the friends said to him, Job, I've um, had a lot of bad things happen to you. And we know how this works. Uh, if bad things happen to you, you must be bad. So I think you're bad. <laughs> um, you better repent because this doesn't happen to good people. And Job's like, what is going on here? I wasn't doing anything wrong. I'm better than you. So, so I'm totally New Yorker here. I'm better than you. I'm just walking here. And what comes out of Job's heart is he was an employee. He gets super angry that God's not blessing him. Super angry. I deserve better than this. Are you working for God? Do you obey God for reward? What does that say about God? Why would God withhold good things until you earn them? Isn't that bad theology? God is far kinder than you are. In Matthew, there's this story of the parables. Uh, sorry, parables of the, of the tenants, or sorry, of the talents. There we found the word. It was in there. It's buried deep. The parable of the talents he gives. He gives this much to one person. They go away and do lots of good things with it. He gives less to another person. They go away and do lots of good things. He gives a small amount to somebody. And that person just goes away. doesn't do anything with it. But he's fearful that he's going to lose it. So he just puts it in the ground. And when the, when the master comes back, Jesus... It says, he also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground, and here you have what is yours. His master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed? Do you know what bad theology looks like? That. This guy had already determined his actions based on his preconceptions of God. God has, is there a place in the world, in the history of life, that God has not sown the first seed? Is there any place in the galaxy that God did not first go? He sowed all the seeds. Every seed is from him. Every crop is from him. He is the initiator of the life. He sows. He does it. And this guy's, oh, well, you you keep expecting stuff from places where you don't give stuff. Show me a place that God has not done something first. You've got bad theology, friend, and because you think that I'm just this harsh, hard man taking where I have not given, <sighs> you know, the truth is you're just lazy. And that's a wickedness. You can't say that about me. Bad theology creates bad lives, bad outcomes. And so, worship is our response to mercy, and worship clears our hearts in bad theology, and then worship is gratitude. Just to finish, at the very beginning of the Bible, the first worshipers, the first worship service, Cain and Abel, the two firstborn children of Adam and Eve, you know how Cain kills Abel eventually, but the build-up to that is this. They go and do their thing, and Abel comes and offers God a, a sacrifice, and Cain also offers a sacrifice. The book of Hebrews talking about them says this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, which he was, through which he was commanded as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now the story, so we know that whatever Abel did, he did it right. But what did Abel do? Well, here's what happened. Again, she bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock, and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Cain's an employee. What is the difference in, uh, in our ministry training college, we have some of the Burmese people from a Burmese uh, church that uses our Salisbury building in the morning, and we're helping them, and they're great, great people. So we've got some of them in our class, and they said, uh, Pastor, and they very respectfully asked me, we were always taught, a missionary came to Burma and taught everybody that the reason that Cain's offering was not acceptable is because it wasn't a blood sacrifice, because he didn't shed blood to bring his sacrifice. Is that true? And I said, well, the book of Leviticus and the book of Deuteronomy both commend grain offerings. So it can't be because it was not blood. Because uh, you could offer grain, whatever your harvest was, to the Lord. And that was perfectly acceptable. So it has nothing to do with the content. Especially since Cain was a worker of the ground. What is going to be the fruit of his labor? It's going to be grain, right? God's not going, I don't like grain. I'm not hungry for grain. I'm on a low carb diet. (laughs) Like it, it makes me a bit. It's, It's it's not that. What is it? Well, it's it's actually there in all of the in the prefixes. It's all in the descriptive language. Cain brought some. A bit. But, but Abel, he brought the very best. He brought the best thing that he could get. He brought the first. He brought the fattest. He brought the best that he could. It was all in his attitude. It had nothing to do with the content of what it is. Hey, listen, everybody. Whatever your gift is, give it. It's not one superior gift and one inferior gift. There's not like, well, if I can't preach, God doesn't like it. Like, I'm lousy at so many things. Do you, because we need you. God needs you. The world needs you. It is not like one kind of gift. It's like, well, I really like them preachers and whoa, worship leaders. They really tickle my fancy. Yeah. Who loving the electric guitar, not so hot on the banjo. Like it's not this it's not what. It's why. Why? Abel's like, oh, when are we worshiping? I got way to worship. Oh, I got the best one here. I set that one aside from God as soon as it popped out. It's the perfect lamb. I can't believe it. This is the one. Mom, Dad, look, this is the best lamb ever. Woohoo! this one's God's. No, it's a special pen, nice grass. This one's for God. It's all in the attitude. Because Abel is not working to get he, he is giving because he's so grateful for all that has been given to him. And Cain had an employee mindset. All right, God, time to pay your bill. What does it take? Is that it? Okay. Can we go now? And God's like, I don't like that. And then Cain was just like, mm. and that's what kind of a mean God you are. You don't even like it when I give you stuff. Where's your heart? Romans chapter 5 or 6, 8 says this about you. While you were still weak, at the right time Christ died for you. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person might might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the question is, what do you say? As the worship team come back up to lead us in one last song and to invite you for prayers. I want to encourage you in this last song to just say thank you. Not to sing in the perfect way. Just bring yourself to God and just say not for anything other than the fact that you have done so much for me. Here is my love back. I'm just grateful. I'm not doing this for your reward. I'm doing it because I've been rewarded and I've been given so very much. Will you stand with me as I pray? Father, Thank you that you speak directly to our hearts by your spirit. I pray, Lord, that this message I've shared would bring no one under shame or condemnation, but instead bring us into the delight of your heart. Lord, set us free from being an employee. Lord, save us from trying to earn. We know that says such bad things about you. So we pray, Lord, for freedom in our hearts, Lord, now as we spend time in worship, but also for our whole lives. Lord, get us out of that miserable measuring lifestyle of measuring out whatever it takes to get a by. And Lord, give us a heart of gratitude that lavishes praise and love on you and gives to others in honor of you. And Lord, is a blessing on this earth because of your great generosity towards us. Lord, free us so that we can worship, Lord, as you have called us to. Lord, even now as we worship in this song and in this way, Lord, help us to be truly grateful and open our hearts, Lord, to see the beautiful way that you have blessed us with so much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Candace. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.